Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along, I want to start with the news that two men in their 40s they're still being questioned. This was over a large drugs seizure in the Port of Cork on Friday last night. Their period of detention was extended yesterday after being brought before a special Cork sitting in Kerry. Mairead Tuig, our news reporter, uh, has the details. Good morning to you, Mairead. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome. Now, this is a huge drug seizure. Tell us how it was discovered. Yeah, so it's believed to be uh, the biggest ever haul of crystal meth in this country. Now, it is uh, suspected crystal meth, of course, that has to go through uh, forensic um, investigations to establish exactly uh, what the drugs are. And um, it happened on Friday in the port of Cork. Now, there was 546 kgs of synthetic drugs, and as I say, which we believe to be crystal meth, were uncovered in an operation involving Revenue Customs and Gardaí. Now, the drugs are worth 30 2.8 million euro. It took a bit of time on Friday to establish exactly uh, the how much these drugs were worth, but they are worth around 32.8 million euro and it was uh, uncovered in that operation in the Port of Cork. Now, after that, in a follow-up operation, two men, as you say, were arrested and they're being questioned at Garda stations but we believe in the Kerry region um, and a number of premises were searched and two firearms were also seized and investigations are continuing. Now what we know is that these two men did appear in court on Saturday night but it wasn't like a, a court appearance that we'd be used to where someone's charged, they weren't charged, they haven't been charged, they appeared solely just so that their period of detention could be extended. So it's been extended until Wednesday morning when the state will have to decide whether to charge or release them. Now, we've no names. They can't be named because, you know, they have the presumption of innocence, of course, and they can't be identified. That was under court order. And that is until, of course, that they be either, you know, if they are charged before the courts, it would only be then or after then that they they could be named. So they appeared, as they say, solely just to extend uh, the period of detention. And that's because the investigators involved here, they had did a report into the court and um, detailing a large body of material, you know, and this includes the likes of film footage, and they want to put this to the two men so that they can, you know, they have a lot there to question them on. So they wanted to extend that period of detention. So they have until uh, Wednesday morning to either charge or release them. Now, what we do understand is that these synthetic drugs uh, believed, as I say, to be crystal meth, that it was owned by a Mexican cartel and that it was just simply transiting uh, through the Republic of Ireland. It wasn't actually destined uh, for the Republic of Ireland is what it's understood. It's understood that it was ultimately destined for the Australian market. So it just happened to be here um, in a container and that it was never destined for Ireland. But it yeah, because that was the one, when, when I heard the amount of drugs that was seized, you know, the first thing you think of Ireland is too small a country. Tunisia wanted that amount of, of crystal meth. So the theory is, for whatever reason, they stopped in the port of Cork, but it was heading for Australia. 
That's it. And what we've come to understand is that Gardaí have long suspected um, a Kerry link with this cartel called the Sinaloa cartel and that they believe that the seizure of these drugs in the port of Cork has, you know, uncovered that link. But as well as the search in Cork port, a number of residential and commercial addresses were also searched on Friday as well. So this operation, you know, it didn't just happen out of the blue. It wasn't just we'll, we'll pick that one to have a look. They've kind of always had an inkling that there has been something going on and this uh, discovery I guess you know for Gardaí involved and detectives involved in these uh, types of, of you know intelligence led operations this must be I suppose a massive victory for them to uncover such a, a large quantity and a, and a high uh, I suppose value of money um, in terms uh, of and, these drugs. And one I imagine the investigators Marit have been working on for quite some time. That's it. That's what we understand. That uh, so the initial intelligence about these drugs came from uh, the Garda's Kerry Divisional Drugs Unit, and members of that unit have been. We understand that they've been pursuing leads that came to light during a large drug seizure in another part of the Republic of Ireland over a year ago. So they have been working on this. It's initial, you know, intelligence. It's all coming together. Um, so it's not something, as I say, that happened overnight. It's something that they've been working on um, for a long time. And it's resulted in this uh, seizure on Friday. And I'm sure, you know, they're still working. They're still investigating. They're still finding, you know, clues as to um, exactly what's going on here and to, to establish, you know, I suppose who's responsible and who's behind it. And as I say, we'll know more on Wednesday when that period of detention is over, whether these two men whether they'll be released, will they be charged or what might happen next here. OK, and there was also a separate drug seizure in Ross Lair, but I don't think that's anything to do with this one. It doesn't appear to be. There was a separate drug seizure in, in Ross Lair and I understand that uh, a number of people uh, did appear in court in relation to that over the weekend. So I suppose once once there's been a court appearance, it's it's quite difficult to to uh, discuss that, especially when it's something that is before the courts. OK. All right, listen, um, we'll follow this one closely. And as I say, we should have more news uh, on Wednesday. But in the meantime, thank you for that. And before we let you go, I saw you online in all your finery at the weekend. Uh, you were up <laughs> representing C103 and 96, 96FM at the Camogie Media Awards in Dublin. I was indeed, yeah, very enjoyable evening on Saturday evening. Uh, myself and Katie O'Keefe were up there, uh, delighted to represent everyone. And of course, it's a, it was a team effort in terms of the content we produced. And I know you were part of it as well, Patricia. So uh, congratulations to you too. And I just want to thank everyone for their, their lovely words of kindness. It was um, back when, when the Cork Camogie ladies won the All-Ireland final last August. And it just, I suppose it was... Uh, captured the coverage we gave it before the match, during the match. That three-goal hat-trick was just something else that Amy O'Connor got. Uh, so there was a lot of involvement. There was Finbar McCarthy, John Cashman, Shirley Maloney, uh, Damien Streeton on the Monday for the homecoming with Finbar. Uh, it was perfect timing, actually. The train just arrived as Finbar was live on the news. Well, so just that. gave that, yeah. the, 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 the beeps. And then on the, the Tuesday morning when uh, you played out the, the homecoming piece that I put together. And I remember it ended with, with a beautiful piece from yourself just about what dreams are made of. So I think this is what our dreams can be made of well, in well terms done. of coverage well, and, well, and being recognised. So well done, so well much. done. And thanks to everybody. In, it was the, it's, the, it's the Camogie Association put together these awards, isn't it? 
It is, yeah. yeah, and it's lovely for them to recognise it. And it was um, Eileen Dunn, who unfortunately left uh, dancing with the stars last night, but Eileen Dunn was there uh, to present the media section of the awards on Saturday night. Of course, it's the Dunn Memorial Award, so it's named after her dad. Um, and they just spoke about his, I suppose, the coverage he gave Camogie. He was one of the first in the country to cover Camogie to the extent it's covered to today. So it's lovely to remember yeah, um, nice. him as well. And it's, it's nice, nice to recognise yeah, it really it's, it's is. A lovely and link. of course, uh, when I was up there, I did what I always do. I managed to to almost fall off the stage. I stepped back too far, but I got back up. So <laughs> I think we got the loudest cheer of the night. <laughs> <laughs> did you fall off the stage? Well, I, I say I stepped back off, but I didn't actually <laughs> fall. So I was happy enough. I recovered quite well. And one of my friends said to me, he said, Reid, you always talk about it's never about the mistake. It's about the recovery. That's you it. Recovered, like, 100%. 100%. Oh, well, well, well done. I'm and glad to know that you had a good night out as well. OK, yeah, listen, we'll talk again. Thanks a million. That is uh, Mairead uh, Tuig. Um, thanks for that. Mairead Tuig, our uh, news reporter. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. And don't forget, have have you downloaded the C103 app because at some stage during the programme today I am going to ask you you can only do this by WhatsApp because we need a physical image and confirmation that you've downloaded the C103 app at some stage during the programme I'll open the WhatsApp and it's only when we open the WhatsApp for a specific period of time that you can get your entries in I'll call one person back that person then will be the qualifier for this programme. We'll go forward to a draw this afternoon with Martina. Keep your fingers crossed because if you get the call back from Martina this afternoon, you'll have a one in four chance of getting a call back from Martina this afternoon. You could be winning €500 Euro of free money. That's Snap the app. You need to download the C103 app and then stay tuned because at some stage this morning we'll get you to play along only on C103.
That's Fergal Sharkey on C103 and that is a good heart. Ben already contacted the programme this morning saying will we ever get to the bottom of what exactly is going on and has gone on at RTE. Ben is sickened by the drip feed of information. He was actually going to pay his TV licence today. It's been due since the end of December and he had decided he was going to pay it today but now he's changed his mind over the comings and goings that he heard over the weekend where hopefully we may get some more information uh, today because we know that the Minister for Responsibility for Media, Catherine Martin, she has requested both the RTE Director General, the new Director General who was promising uh, to bring in total transparency. She's requested him, Kevin Packhurst, and the Chair of the RTE Board, Shua New Rally. She has requested them to come before her this morning and that in itself is unusual that the weekend they would get this telephone call to say the Minister wants you in her office on uh, Monday morning. So she is hoping to get some kind of honesty and transparency and I actually uh, heard earlier this morning Neve Smith, she's the chair of the Oireachtas Committee on Media who they were before last week. She's also calling for honesty and uh, transparency and she says that both the DG and the new chair has to come forward and has to provide all of the information particularly the information with regard to exit packets. The request from the Minister followed at the weekend mounting political pressure on RTE to make public the details of the payments that they made to top executives who decided themselves to leave the organisation. The Minister is expected to emphasise this morning again to the RTE bosses that transparency is essential if they want to rebuild trust among staff and indeed trust amongst the general public. I think they've got a body of work now to rebuild trust amongst uh, the politicians as well. Catherine Martin is expected to say that it's also required in the context of ongoing government discussions around a new funding model for public service at media that they need total transparency because remember that's also going on in the background where we've been driven fed all of this information. RTE are kind of stagnating at the moment because they're waiting to find out what their new funding model is going to be. So you would think they would be on their best behaviour while those discussions are going on. Now in recent days the Taoiseach has come out. He's calling for greater clarity. So it's gone all the way uh, to the top. He particularly wants greater clarity on the exit package which was paid to senior executives who stepped aside from their roles and of course over the weekend, it came out that Rory Coveney, who was the director of strategy and kind of the one who the finger of blame has really been pointed to over the toy show, the musical and the amount of money that was lost on that. Uh, he resigned last year. Everybody had assumed that he just resigned and left over everything that was going on with toy show, the musical. But now we found out last week that he did get an exit package. It wasn't stated at the Oireachtas committee meeting how much the exit package was. But at the weekend, it appears he got a year's salary. So if you look at his last pay, how much he was getting, that's about 200,000. So that's what is expected was his golden handshake for somebody who resigns from uh, a job. Mary Lou MacDonald, the leader of Sinn Féin, she's insisting that the uh, RTE must be more forthcoming with the full details on any of those uh, payments. And she she feels, and I think a lot of people will agree with her, it's almost been dragged out of the organisation. She says it's scandalous the way we have to drag the information out uh, of them. And of course, the other big question mark is around the now former Chief Financial Officer 
officer we had the chief financial officer Breed O'Keefe and we know we found out last week she got 450,000 euro when she resigned from the post that wasn't a redundancy package because the job wasn't made redundancy her, her job then was filled by Richard Collins Richard Collins was before both of the Oireachtas uh, committees last year Lots came out. He was the man who, remember, they asked him how much was he being paid and he said he didn't know. Um, anyway, he decided to leave after everything that was coming out at those Oireachtas uh, meetings. And they somehow, he and had to be Kevin Backhurst because this was under Kevin Backhurst's watch. They signed a confidentiality clause that Richard Collins, it would never be publicly disclay, declared how much he got. And like a lot of people are questioning why should there be a confidentiality clause uh, on that? It just seems crazy when you've got a new DG, new Director General of RTE, promising that there's going to be full transparency. And he can't point the finger of blame at D Forbes on this one because that one, Richard Collins and indeed Rory Coveney's, that happened under his uh, watch. So I saw Neve Smith, the chair of the Oireachtas Media Committee. She is questioning why they went for this confidentiality uh, clause. And she is also now looking for the legal advice. Did What legal advice did they give to say that there could be a confidentiality clause? She wants full transparency also on all of the exit packages. And this morning she was asked about the new DG, Kevin Backhurst, and if she had confidence in him. And she'd said just at the moment she was deeply concerned about the revelations over the past week. So there's a lot of the spotlight now coming on Kevin Backhurst because every time he has appeared at any of these Rock This Committee meetings, he was able to put his hands up and say, look, it wasn't under my watch. I'm being brought back in here. I'm cleaning up the mess. Well, there's a mess... It feels like there's a mess that's being created under these exit packages, which happened under his watch while he was in charge. Recently, we spoke with Fine Gael Senator Tim Lombard, who had raised the issue of lack of taxis in the Senate. And he highlighted the need for a nationwide rollout of Uber. Paddy O'Driscoll, who runs a taxi company in Baltimore, has contacted us to say Uber would destroy local taxi services. And both Paddy and uh, Tim uh, join me. Good morning to you, gentlemen. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Paddy, if I can start uh, with you, can you outline why you believe the introduction of Uber in this country, why would it uh, destroy existing taxi services like your own? Um, To be honest with you, Patricia, um, if Uber came in, um, small businesses now like myself would be destroyed because the ordinary people inside the publicans would start using the Uber and the taxi businesses will be destroyed because it's to be what I believe it is is this Uber what they're trying to bring in is um to um have uh, non drinkers some nights and to have drivers for it. Say say that again, you think it's what? That it is that in the publicans like that it would be drivers that don't have the PSV license will be able to do this Uber and do it around West Cork like. But Uber works very well in 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 other uh, countries, and it hasn't destroyed the taxi trade. They both work hand in hand. Well, to be honest, Patricia, like like we're paying very high insurances there every year, like for to be in the taxis. Like we're paying nearly up to some of us are nearly paying up to ten thousand euro a year. 
Okay, let me bring in uh, Tim. Uh, Tim, you were probably one of the first who mentioned Uber. And I have to say, whenever we talk about this issue, the amount of calls we get in from people saying they've used Uber in other countries, it's a, it's a great service. Why are we not uh, doing it here? Do you believe it is important, especially in rural areas? Yeah, look, I think there's a huge issue. Um, look, taxi industry was deregulated in 2020. And look, there's been changes to our population or demographics ever since. And look, we've been doing an awful lot of work working out where the actual cabs are in Ireland and what's affected. And we're looking at a scenario that we have is it's something like uh, 28% of the population around Dublin use 60% of the cabs. And that's the big issue here. We don't have the hackneys or the cabs that we have in rural Ireland or even outside of Dublin. And because of that, we need to look at it again. And I think this is affecting trade, affecting commerce, affecting quality of life. Like not everyone owns a car now. People want to, you know, be involved in their society, but they need to get around. And because of the lack of taxis, people aren't actually going out. And that's a huge issue here. And it's just not about, you know, people going to the pub, people going to restaurants, the cinema, doing whatever they want to do, run their daily lives. And there is no taxis in the majority of towns I talk about. Like, there is very few taxis in places like Kinsale, Bandon, all the way back to Baltimore. Like, they don't exist. And in particular, when it comes to the so-called summer trade, like that's been really badly affected by the lack of people's ability to get home from the night out. So, the, not, like, my view here is, the first step here is we have to admit there's a problem. And I fundamentally believe there is a Okay, let, so let, 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 let us bring Pawdy in, in, in on that point. Do you accept, Pawdy, that there is a problem? We don't have enough taxis, licensed taxis and taxi drivers. Uh, I totally agree with what Tim was saying there, uh, Patricia. But the biggest issue on that, like, is the exam that uh, that you have to do to get the SPSV licence. Like, um, Tim and I have been speaking about this before, like, 32% of the people that apply for this exam only pass, like, you in, in the county of Cork, you would have to know from my town in Baltimore, right down to Castletown Bear, right up to Yall and up to North Cork, up to Cantork. Like, you have to know hotels, uh, restaurants, uh, middle of the streets, the whole lot. And this is one of the biggest issues in it for people to applying for so, the so if, if, Yeah, and I, I think everyone accepts that we all now have uh, Google Maps on our phones. So it isn't a case of somebody not knowing, not being able to find a particular location anywhere no, like, in, in like the country. But if they, in, like, if they... Before if, they go to a destination, yeah. like, and put in the, the thing on their app, like... So if they changed that, if they changed the way... We test drivers at the moment. Do you believe that would increase the number of taxis? Yes, I would believe it, yes. I would believe it like that if they were allowed to use the Google Maps around the areas that they're not sure of, I definitely think there would be more taxi or PSV drivers in, 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 in uh, West Corkton. But is it fair to say, Paulie, that a lot of taxis don't want to operate late at night? Oh, I, t- I totally agree with that too. Like, um, but I have a colleague there that, that works with me there in the Skibbereen area, like, and they're on school runs as well see, in the morning, like, and it's just impossible, like, because, you know, they have to be up again at seven o'clock in the morning, like, and people could be looking up the taxes up to 12 or one o'clock here, especially down the Skibbereen, Baltimore area, anyway. So you can't do both. You can't we, be you doing. Can't do yeah. both. Like, so, we're, not, we're not the fire brigade, like for yeah. to be honest. So, like. so, so, therefore, would the Uber drivers not have a role to play in that they're only part-time drivers? They could do those late-night ones that taxi companies don't want to do. 
I suppose it's true. Yes, it could happen. Like, but see, like I would like to ask him. Like, is these Uber drivers are they going to have the PSV license, or is it just the ordinary drivers, uh, Patricia? Uh, Tim, it's a normal driver's license, isn't it, for Uber? It's a normal driver's license, but they're also fully guarded. That's isn't it? about safety. It's been talked about for an awful long time. Like, we're not on change in the standards when it comes to safety. You need to know who the actual driver of the actual cab is. And the other thing is, in fairness to the taxi drivers, they do not like HFP work, where it's really working and out to people who are getting removed, or even um, school transportation stuff, especially school for transportation. So the actual work of the taxi driver in the last 10 years has totally changed. So we've seen a decrease in natural licenses because people aren't coming into the industry, in particular at night. And it's the shoulders, in other words, it's the peak times where we're having the issue. Like the lady has contacted me that said she needs to book a cab three weeks on a Saturday night to come out and tell it guilty. Like that's a really daft situation that we don't have enough cabs and we're already going to sound as part that you can book a three weeks in advance. And I think it's about making sure we have enough taxis for those shoulder times in particular, the peak times, weekends, late nights, when some taxi drivers might have worked hard regarding HC or or, or um, school work that don't have the opportunity to actually be going at night. And then yes, and then so the Uber, the part time drivers would yes. pick up would would pick up the flack. And Tim, are you continuing to hear from? Uh, we know we're hearing of many small businesses, particularly in the hospitality sector, um, restaurants uh, closing. Are, are you hearing from some of them that it, that they cite lack of taxis to get customers home as one of the reasons that led to their closure? Oh yeah, very much so. I spoke to a premises in Bandon last Wednesday and he had a huge issue was his, since COVID in particular, he doesn't have the opportunity to get his actual clientele home. But I think it is a huge issue. It's affecting commerce all the way through. People haven't the ability to actually get home. The idea of asking someone to ring your cab, that's got out the door. He's been pre-booked to the week at this stage in some locations. So it's having a huge impact on our restaurant trade and a massive impact on our actual bar trade as well. And unless we do do something significant and make major changes, this decline is only going to continue. And that's going to be really, really sad. We deregulated we, we this industry in 2020. We changed it. But there's been no major change since. Every industry needs to change. It's been 25 years since this change happened. I think the talk that we need to start looking at now is we're trying to make sure that we have the opportunity for part-time Uber taxes to be a part of the solution. And if that was to happen, the knock-on implication, in particular in our part of the world, is you'd have taxi drivers that would be available at weekends, and I think everyone would benefit from that. Okay, all right. Paddy, Paddy, do you you think we need to have the conversation around it? Yes, I think so, yes. So so you would be you would be have the conversation and 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 seriously look at Uber. Somebody's saying there's other there's other companies like Bolt and Lyft. Uh, and <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you now, Patricia. Actually, last year I'm only nine months in the business. Okay. Yeah. And last uh, June I signed up with Free Now. Right. Yeah. It's it's an app that's above usually in Cork City, and I opened up that app. I was checking it every day. There wasn't one person in West Cork for the whole 78 months that I've been in the business using the Free Now app. So you you get direct calls from yeah, your customers? Yeah, I see. You can yeah. check, see. And how, how, many, how many taxis are in Baltimore? There's, uh, there's two of us. Three of us, sorry. There's three of us. And would you mainly work days? I work days and nights. Do you? Okay. And do the other two? Oh, they do, yeah. Yeah. They okay. do, yeah. 
Okay. Um, Tim, have you had any feedback from the National Transport Authority on, on your suggestion about introducing I, Uber? Oh, I think National Transport Authority don't like this conversation. Look, Why? They've been humming and hawing around this issue of taxi drivers for the last four or five years. Like the pilot scheme that they rolled out from North Cork just absolutely failed. Complete failure. Only one person took it up in Ireland, in North Cork, and it was a complete failure from the start. They have no solution to this. All they're saying is that they're not willing to negotiate on the issue between Uber or Bolt or a different platform. And like this is an organisation with a budget of a billion euros, I think it's appalling their lack of engagement here. <clears throat> and unless they do something... I think the whole taxi industry, I, I actually think unless they do something, the knock-on implication will be huge for right? And that's going to be, you know, someplace I just don't go, you know. Okay, and somebody has suggested <coughs> they, they, they work for Uber. Uber has been introduced in, in city areas, but you do have to have a PSV uh, licence for it. Uh, and somebody says it works because no money changes hands and also the driver and rider uh, safety is moni- monitored, unlike this person says with ordinary Irish cab uh, firms. Okay, it's an issue certainly that is not going to go away because uh, as soon as we mention lack of taxis, I can already see calls coming in just from this last weekend of people saying arrangements had to be cancelled, people getting stranded, people having to rely on family members uh, to come and collect them. Okay, listen, we leave it there, gentlemen. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Senator Tim Lombard and a taxi driver from Baltimore. Uh, Paddy O'Driscoll, uh, Councillor Declan Hurley says, petition in relation to the discussion on introducing Uber into West Cork. I agree with the pros and cons and agree there is a huge need for a better service. I would suggest the application process for PSV licence would serve a better option and allow for the existing taxi service to grow and provide a better service than what we have at the moment as drivers are finding it really difficult to pass the current PSV process. I mean, yeah, that issue and in fairness, Paddy mentioned that one uh, as well. We're having a big problem with people who want to become taxi drivers, uh, may not want to set up their own company, but want to work as a taxi driver and they just can't get the licence. I'm going to stay on the topic of transport, especially for those living in rural areas who have access to a train service because Fianna Fáil Councillor Bernard Moynihan who's chair of the Northern Committee of Cork County Council, is questioning why train tickets are more expensive from some train stations. And uh, delighted to say, Councillor Bernard uh, Moynihan joins me live in studio this morning. Good morning to you, Bernard. Morning. Now, you want to highlight, and this was something I didn't realise until I looked it up over the weekend, you want to highlight the service from Bantir to Cork City versus the service from Mallow uh, to Cork City. Uh, there's, 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 there's a difference, isn't there, on, yes. pr- on train prices? Thanks, Patricia, and good morning to you and good morning to your listeners. I suppose, you know, this is brought, you know, it's brought to my attention by young people in the area who are travelling to Cork because they can't get accommodation in the city. Students, people working, student nurses and so forth. Now, if you're travelling from Mallow every day, it's 4.40 per day. If you travel from Bantir, it's €9.75 per day. That's a difference per week of €26.75. And I worked it out that if you travel 45 weeks in the year, 45 out of, seven, out of 52, it's €1,203 per, per, per year. Now, that's a lot of money to people starting off. Cause, and then as well as that, we have Minister Ryan talking about carbon and, and, and all the rest with regard to the environment. We have people travelling into Mallow to get the train in Mallow because it's cheaper. No, and yeah, but it's, it, I was shocked. I mean, it's 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 double. It's over double the price. Absolutely, and I mean, we we're talking here about rural Ireland. We're talking about Bantir. We're talking about, but, but in reality, Bantir.
Volunteer Station, uh, Patricia serves a lot of Duhalo, a lot of Duhalo, Cantork, Ratcool, Kilcorny, Bantier. That's a huge population base. They could travel from Bantier. We're currently investing 1.2 million in upgrading the, the train station in Bantier. So this, I, I have rang um, in Rory Erden about this matter. I'll bring it up. To, I'm travelling from here into the Northern Committee meeting in Mallow straight from here. So I'll be raising it there as well with my colleagues. But like, this is an issue where we need to make uh, public transport cheap, accessible and uh, to our people who need it. Well, it's what, it's what we're hearing from government, particularly with the Greens in coalition. We're constantly being told this is the best way to travel, take less car- have less cars on the road, put people onto trains and buses. You know, the upgrading of Bantier train station, fantastic, uh, encouraging people to take the train. But they're going to be put off by those prices. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that we need to make public transport accessible, cheap, and, 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 and we can't have people being disadvantaged and people around uh, around the Bantier station, a 10, 15 mile radius, they are being disadvantaged. And 26 euro is a lot of money to a student. Mm. It's a lot of money. Now, M- Mallow commuters have the leap uh, card. Yes. Is the leap card the reason that the Mallow to Cork is, is so much cheaper? Well, we're going to have to get the leap card for Bantier. OK. You're going to have to. You can't have a leap card in Mallow and not a leap card in Bantier. That is some of the reason. But the fares are much higher from Bantier, Patricia. Yeah. There's no question about it. It needs to be dealt with. It needs to be. Pri- we need to make the. We can't have Bantier and Mallow are about, I suppose, about 14 kilometres apart. And we can't have a, have a fare of 9.75 in Bantier. Four, Versus 4.40. 4.40 in Mallow. Yeah. Plus, you have the people travelling in. And a lot of those students are being dropped by parents in the morning. They're being dropped by parents. They mightn't have a car themselves. Mm. They might be in their first year in college because accommodation is impossible to get now in the city. A huge So amount. many more are commuting. Absolutely. There's a huge amount of people. You talk about remote working. You know, there might be three days a week in the city, two days a week from home. There's a huge amount of people. There's a huge appetite for people to commute. But it, you, you must look at the knock-on effect, Patricia, as well, for the economy of Duhalo. People who are coming back, they might spend a few pounds in the shops, the pubs, the restaurants. We know all businesses are under pressure at the moment. We need huge football footfall in our shops in Cantork in Murphy's Gaelic Anglins and so forth to keep the show on the road so like we, we, we need we can't have a situation in Duhallow where our station in Duhallow is a higher cost station than the one in Mallow than one just just down the road correct uh, and actually it, I'd be interested to hear you get on with the leap card because I remember I did countless numbers of uh, interviews with uh, Labour's Deputy Sean Sherlock who fought for the leap card for, for Mallow um, my memory serves me right I think it was from 2016 and it wasn't until 2022 it came in. So they seem to be slow to move with ha- handing out the leap cards. But the fact that they're doing up, they're upgrading Bantier train station, which is, you know, great news for Bantier. I mean, does that not in itself say they want more people to use that train Absolutely. station? Absolutely. And I've spoken to Bantier community this morning. I, I did a bit of preparation for the interview. And like there is an issue with car parking, but Bantier sports field is available for parking, which okay. is right next door to the train station. So if people need to park their car in the sports field in Bantier, that will be accommodated by the Bantier community people. Bantier is an excellent community. There's great community spirit in Bantier. So that there, there a parking, there's going to be an extra 14, 15 spaces created now when the builders are gone probably the end of the year. So we, we, we probably need more spa- spaces in Bantier, but the Bantier community will step up to the plate okay. and provide those spaces. Okay. Who sets the train ticket prices? Well, you're not there. Is it you're not there? I suppose somebody in, in, in a very comfortable office in Dublin would set those uh, 
yeah, prices. Yeah, uh, it would be interesting for them to, to justify why is the difference for, for two towns that are so so close together. OK, keep us informed on this Absolutely, one. And Patricia. just while I, while I have you here, what's going on with the allocation of funding under the LEADER uh, programme? Uh, if my memory serves me right, last year the funding was cleared by Europe. But have the local groups got their funding yet? No, absolutely not. And, you know, I suppose in very simple terms, Patricia, leader funding is vital. Tonight now I'm travelling, I'm starting off in Kiss Game about a Monsignor O'Flaherty uh, to, to acknowledge Monsignor O'Flaherty who was born in Kiss Game or trying to commemorate that event. I'm going on to Knocknagree and from there to Cullen. There's three community meetings tonight. Each one of those meetings will be asking me about funding. We need funding for Duhalla, for the community groups in Duhalla. 10,000, 5,000 here is huge for those community there's groups. Some, they might, they're small sums, but, but massive to those communities. Massive, 5,000, 10,000, massive to those communities. Like we're talking about leader funding in Duhalla. It was to be announced in August last year, August 23, September 23. Now, we were hopeful, and it's kind of the way things happen at the ploughing. A lot of these things, like the Kosh Cornhead scheme, was increased at the ploughing. We were hopeful at the ploughing that the minister would announce it, and it didn't happen there. But today, like it's the 18th, 19th of February, you know, and there's no announcement yet. Now, I checked it this morning. I wanted to check my facts before I came in here. The the problem is this money is now all sorted. It is all waiting in Europe. Yeah, cleared it's, by Europe, cleared ready to by, go. Ready to go. It's part of the CAP programme, 23 to 27. It's an element of the CAP programme. Okay. So we have that the issue is the money is there. We need to get our our, our, our systems organised, make the decision in Dublin. I don't know what they're doing with it. I just cannot understand. I just cannot figure out what they're at up there, that they cannot get this money down to the communities in Duhalo. And I want to say, it, you know, the different communities, like, say, we're trying to do a monument in Kiss Game to Monsignor Flaherty. He was born in Kiss Game. Like, three or four thousand euro would do a huge amount for that project. Yeah. A project in Knocknagree, a project in Cullen, Rock Chapel. So... These monies are really required and really vital for communities across Duhalo. And I mean, across Cork as well, like, you know, down to Skibbereen, the whole lot. So, like, you know, this is crucial. And I've called, I brought a motion from the Northern Committee to the full council. I got the full support of my colleagues in Cork County Council. And what we have said is, instead of writing to the minister, Patricia, we will go and meet her face to face and okay. say, what, let and her ask explain her what's going to on. us what's going on. OK. All right. I'll let you go because I know you've got meetings to attend. But um, I appreciate you joining us uh, in studio uh, this morning. That's uh, Fianna Fáil Councillor Bernard Moyne. Lovely text asking me, would I please send guest well wishes to Finbar Sheehan? And I actually had it down on my list of to do things on the programme today was to give a shout out to Finbar Sheehan. Finbar will be well known in the Mallow area. He calls out the bingo numbers every Friday night at Mallow GAA but he's one of those great community people as well just a, and a really really nice guy and I was saddened over the weekend to hear that he became unwell and he's now a patient at Cork University at Hospital. So Frank and Trish in from Oiwaram wanting to wish Finbar a speedy recovery and I know there'll be a whole host of people in Mallow particularly all the people who go to the bingo on a Friday night will want to send uh, Nothing but love and best wishes to Finbar Sheehan and we wish you Finbar a really, really speedy uh, recovery Um, and lots of people will want you back calling out those bingo numbers sooner rather than later. And then we mentioned Dancing with the Stars while it was a Romain-Marie two-week mentioned Dancing with the Stars because Eileen Dunn presented the awards, the C103 won at the uh, Camogie 
uh, awards on uh, Saturday night and she mentioned that it was Eileen Dunn presented the award because we won the Mick Dunn award and of course Mick Dunn was her uh, dad and then that led Mairead to say that poor old Eileen Dunn got kicked out of Dancing with the Stars uh, last night and I don't know if you've been following this programme or not but a very clever WhatsApp in from Michael to say Patricia Hyde Dancing with the Stars is now coming into the final furlong and Davy Russell who is travelling smoothly and coming with a well-timed run is the dark horse it is going to be a close finish and Michael's money is on Davy I see what you did there very clever uh, put together text thank you for that Michael are others or would others be backing Davy Russell I know my mother-in-law is a big fan of the programme and a big fan of Davy Russell her money's been on Davy Russell since the very beginning she was the one that said to me on the very first night she felt that Davy Russell could be the a dark horse and he's still hanging in there and you would have thought on paper that a jockey wasn't going to be the best dancer under the sun but uh, he's proving a lot of people wrong so Michael's money on Davy Russell Anybody else agree or disagree? Thank you for that, Michael. Hope you're keeping well. We would just have been discussing Ubers and do we need Uber uh, Uber service in rural areas because we know we simply don't have enough taxis. Some of your thoughts on that. I do. Hello, listeners. Says, Patricia, I was out socialising in Kenturk last night and may I say, it's a brilliant town to socialise uh, in. There are nine pubs, but sadly, there's only two taxis. The taxis will only take their own customers, which is fair enough, and they'll also only travel to certain destinations. I'm a 10 kilometre, I live 10 kilometres away from the town. I certainly would be glad of Uber drivers, otherwise I wouldn't be able to get out. Bring on the Ubers. And by the way, I am a female living in the Duhalo area. And, and what is happening, because there is a lack of taxis, it, this isn't just a North Cork uh, issue. It's happening in every part of rural, certainly rural areas of Cork and dare I say rural areas of the country. We don't have enough taxi drivers and taxi companies and therefore, and I know and I understand the taxi companies saying, you know, they're obviously going to lose business to the to the Uber drivers. But could we somehow get the two to work together as happens in other countries? There'll always be a need for taxi drivers. But do we also need on those hours that the taxi drivers, taxi drivers can't work every hour that God sends. They can't do the early morning runs and then be expected to do the late night runs. So could the Uber drivers pick up the flack for those late night runs? Because mainly Uber drivers in other countries just work part time. So they work the hours that suit them. And some of them have a tendency to like to work the nights because that in the evening times, because that's what actually suits them. I think we just need to have an, an adult conversation about it. Siobhan was on to say Senator Tim Lumbert, his party is in government. Why can't he change the criteria for uh, taxis? There's no point coming on the radio. He should be discussing this uh, in-house, in the Dáil, in the Senate. In fairness now, if you've been following Tim Lumbert at every opportunity, he brings it up in the Senate. He's been talking about this for quite some time. He's probably the most vocal in the Senate for sure. He's the most vocal when it comes to the need for a better taxi service in this country and he says it's the National Transport Authority it's up to them to make the decision and for some reason they're just not for moving on it. Miriam and Skibbereen Uber or any other other service like Uber would change the face of rural Ireland and it would change it for the better. Currently it is people driving their friends around or parents having to get out of their beds at the small hours of the morning to collect their children. The best thing that ever happened for rural areas is alcoholic free drinks as there are people who go out and socialise and it isn't about drink and of course the alcohol 
free drinks as well help with the person who decides to be the designated driver and then back to RTE and some of your comments on that Donald in Glanmire was listening to the Thornish, the Miho Martin speaking yesterday and he was talking about the RTE scandal. I mean, yeah, a lot of politicians were out over the weekend about it. But Donald said he was disappointed because he felt that Mihal Martin kept referencing the TV licence and that the, the TV licence was the best option at the moment to fund public service broadcasting. But... Donald says he never spoke about the behaviour of those within RTE. While he was speaking about people paying their TV licence and if they don't, they'll face the full rigours of the law. What about those in RTE who got big payouts? Should they face the full rigours of the law? Did they do anything wrong? Well, I think that has been looked at before and there was nothing wrong with what the people did. Now, morally, you could say, walking away, resigning from a company and then getting a handout of €450,000. Is there a moral implication in it, particularly when it's taxpayers' money? But legally, they did nothing wrong. And I suppose, Donald, you or I, if we decided to leave our company or we were asked to leave our company and they said, oh, by the way, we're giving you a golden handshake, none of us are going to... You, know, you wouldn't turn it down and say, oh, no, I don't think I should be taking that money. So, no, there's, not, there's nobody... There's no need for anyone to face the rigours of the law for walking away with the golden handshake, they certainly have done nothing wrong, except maybe morally. Uh, but I, I don't think you can go to court for that. Joe in Kilmallock says, when they talk uh, about pay, how much did Enda Kenny, Mary McAleese and many other ex-politicians who we've seen working on RTE, these are people who are already drawing down state pensions, how much are they getting paid for their TV and media work? Former politicians, according to Joe in Kilmallock, he reckons shouldn't be allowed to present programmes uh, on our national uh, broadcaster. I said, well, I suppose politicians give up being politicians and they still feel that they have a lot left to give and they want to continue working and some of that work does lend itself to uh, media but uh, Joe reckons they shouldn't be paid out of the national purse because ultimately it's coming out of taxpayers' uh, money. Uh, and just on TV licence, particularly when we had, was it Ben, one of our first listeners who said because of the comings and goings, he was going to pay his TV licence today but is doing a U-turn on it now. His TV licence is up since the end of December so he's already a month and a half late in paying it. He was going to pay it today but he's not going to uh, pay it. And I saw in the papers this morning that revenue from the TV licence is down over a million and that's just in the first seven weeks of this year. So now RTE are short 20 million euro since the scandals broke in the summer of last year. So far 128,000 licences have not been renewed. That's in the past uh, eight months. Now in the first two weeks of February over a half a million alone was lost in revenue due to non-payment of the TV uh, licence and then another €516,000 was lost last month. Now the final week in January there was a little bit of a pickup in TV licence fee sales and that was the first time since the scandal broke last summer and I know Kevin Backers referenced that actually he was taking great comfort from the fact that the last two weeks in January a bigger number of people 
people decided to pay. But that's now plummeted again as in early January. Um, we're seeing people like Ben planning on paying it today, not going to pay it now. And that's got a lot to do with what we've been hearing, particularly last week. The people hauled before the Oireachtas Committee, those who didn't turn up before the Oireachtas Committee and then what came out at the weekend. And then the, the, the crisis obviously has deepened for Kevin Backhurst and he's coming under a lot of pressure now from politicians, particularly over all of these uh, exit packages. And I did see that RTE, by the way, have confirmed that the station is resuming advertising on non-RTE channels and platforms from today. I wonder, will we get any ads from RTE asking people to pay their television licence? They suspended all advertising around the TV licence fee on non-RTE channels and platforms and they did that in July. And I think Kevin Backer said at the Iraqis Committee meeting they normally spend about €200,000 taking out ads, be it on radio, be it on other TV channels. I don't know if they take it out on Virgin Media, uh, but taking them out on local radio stations like our own or taking ads out on newspapers, encouraging people to pay their TV licence. But they stopped doing it when the scandal broke in July. Now, they continued it on their own services, but as in from today, they're resuming taking out advertising. But I just don't know how people will feel if they start getting a slew of ads reminding you, you need to pay your TV licence. 0818 103103 and my heart goes out to this listener who says this government and our health service is a joke. I have a problem with my ears and my sister coincidentally also has the same problem but unfortunately I'm on a medical card and my sister has private health care because she was able to pay she was seen straight away I've been told I'll be waiting at least four months. Why? Because I'm on a medical card and can't afford uh, to pay and that's really difficult particularly when you've got you know two people in the same household who are both going forward, both need the same treatment. One is money is able to pay gets seen straight away and the other is put on a waiting list. My heart goes out to you. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Insulux are looking for an experienced working foreman. It's for retrofit projects in Cork City and in West Cork. CVs please to jobs at insulux.ie. Newmarket Veterinary Hospital, they're looking for a receptionist slash office administrator. You'll be required to work four days per week. CVs, please, to Moraid at millstreetvetgroup.ie. An optical receptionist is wanted in Charleville with a review to progressing with training to an optical assistant or an ophthalmologist technician. CVs, please, to corkerysiobhan at gmail.com. And Mabel's Ladies Fashion and Footwear, they're based in Bandon. They're looking for a full-time sales assistant to work three days per week, plus to do some holiday cover. Call 87 You'll find all the details and more job opportunities if you go online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With McCarthy Insurance Group, proud sponsors of the Cork GAA Club Football Leagues and Championships. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Let's try to do our bit on the programme to highlight and encourage new businesses, especially when they're in very rural areas where sadly we're seeing too many clothes. So this morning we feature a city-raised girl 
Byrne, who has found herself in beautiful Clonakilty and she's decided to embrace country living by launching a small dairy business. Sally Carney joins me to talk about her new company, which is Bo Banya Ore. Uh, good morning to you, Sally. Morning. Uh, you're very welcome. Now, I suppose you have to start at the beginning and explain how you ended up in Clonakilty. Well, I met a farmer in 2009 um, in Cork, but we didn't move down here. I didn't move down here until 2019. Um, so he's milking cows all his life. Um, and But we stayed living in Cork for a while and finally moved down in 2019. So that's how I... So, and, and you you come from a non-farming background? Is how, would you describe it? Completely non-farming. I had no no idea. I had no no connection with farming whatsoever. And does it take long to adjust from city living to rural living? It, it, it didn't really, because I suppose, like Michael, I met Michael in 2009, so we'd, we would have been coming down at the weekends and we stayed in a mobile, mobile home on the farm. So we had kind of had a slow adjustment into it. Um, but it's lovely living down here. I mean, it's very nice. And then did you give up the job in the city then? I didn't. I was going up and down. I work as a family support worker in the Mayfield NYP. So I was driving up and down since 2019. Obviously, during COVID, I was working from home. Um, and I took a career break then last May, thinking that Bobanya Or would be started fairly soon after that. But we actually only got approval finally on the 18th of January this year. So I'm on a career break for another short while. Okay, well done. Well done. Okay, now you milk Jersey uh, cows. So I suppose start at the beginning uh, and and explain what's important about Jersey cows because there's health benefits, isn't there, to drinking Jersey milk? There's health benefits to Jersey milk. So there's a number of different health benefits. So it's 20% higher in calcium than other cow's milk for your your bone health. It's 18% higher in protein than most other cow's milk for your muscle health. And it contains A2 proteins and they're easier to digest um, for your gut health. So it positively affects kind of gut movement and it reduces inflammation. It contains high levels of vitamin D and vitamin B12, which boosts your immune system. And it's high in omega-3 and other beneficial fatty acids for brain health. So there's a lot of health benefits. And it's also found to be beneficial in childhood asthma and kind of preventing childhood asthma. So there's lots of different Benefits. benefits, yeah. And when did Michael, I mean, I'm assuming Michael made the decision to move to Jersey Cows, was it? He he did. So he, um, he has always been milking Jersey Cows. Um, oh, has he? OK. So, yeah, yeah. So um, he we milk 70 cows at a place called Rossmore. So he owns no land. So we rent we rent farms. So he we, he milks 70 purebred jerseys in Rossmore. Is there a difference in taste? There is a difference in taste. It's kind of, it's creamier and I, I kind of think it's, a, it's even though it's creamier, it's kind of a lighter, fresher taste. Yeah. No, that's just my, that's my, my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but, so you, you've set up what's called a smart micro dairy. Now explain what that is. So, a, so Michael saw, saw this on YouTube a couple of years ago. There's a guy called Tom Pemberton, um, who's fairly famous on YouTube in England. And he was setting one of these up. So it's a smart micro dairy is something you can have yourself um, so you can pasteurize your own your own milk. So you, you pasteurize the milk from your own cows yourself on the farm. So it doesn't go off anywhere to be to be pasteurized. So this, the smart micro dairy, you, you pasteurize it into two tanks. And with what we do is we pasteurize it into two 200 liter tanks and then we wheel the tanks into the vending machine and off we go. 
Okay, and that's how you're, you've, you've come in nicely. To, that's how you're selling your milk from a vending machine. Now, I saw a, yes. a, a video. You're going to have to explain how the vending machine works. Yeah, so we have a glass bottle vending machine that keeps the glass bottles cool. So these are obviously... Re- it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Usable glass bottles. Once you buy them day one, you can bring them back the next day and refill your milk. So you go in. It's all very high tech. You can use coins or what most people have been using all weekend are their phones. So it's kind of contactless payment. So you go in, you buy your glass bottle. We have a selection of syrups to choose from then that you squirt into your glass bottle. And then you move over to the milk vending machine and you can can either buy a litre or half a litre. So you stick your litre or your half litre into the little compartment of the glass vending machine and you press and the milk comes out and you have your bottle of milk. In in lots of different flavours. But you can get just, if you don't want the syrup, you can just get the milk. You can get completely plain milk as well. You can leave out the syrup, yeah. Okay, but obviously for the, I'm assuming children love the syrups. They love the syrups. They love watching the milk change colour. Yeah. You know, with the strawberry and things like that and the chocolate. We had children just staring into it, delighted over the weekend. And where is your mobile milk unit parked? So we're going to park it in a number of different areas. The Park Hotel in Clonakilty have been really kind to us and have let us park it there. Um, over the weekend, which gave us loads of exposure. So we're really grateful to them. We parked at Ladies Cross, just up on the other side of Clonakilty, um, just kind of near, it's like the old-fashioned milkman idea, except you come out and get yeah. it yourself. So near all the parks and houses. We went to Ona Hinsha to the viewing point yesterday in the good weather, and that was absolutely gorgeous. Um, so we've, what we're doing is we'll go to different locations as we learn, you know, where is the easiest place for people to come. And on, if you follow us on Instagram, our Instagram page will tell you our schedule for the week. Where, you, where, weather, where weather you're going fishing. to be. And and yeah. is the plan that you, you'll sell all the milk through the mobile unit or, or will you be selling it anywhere else? Well, if we have anything left over, which we will, I'd say we, it'll still go to the creamery. Oh, will it? Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. and, and was the last, the weekend just gone by, was that your first weekend? That, yeah, Friday was our first day. Yeah. How did it go? It, it went well. Friday and Saturday were, were very rainy, but people still came, local people still came out and they queued up in the rain and they were absolutely delighted, you know, with the fact, you know, that it was a local product, that the cows were only out the road and, you know, how fresh it was and the kids loved the vending machine. So they queued up in the rain on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> and then yesterday was, yesterday was go- much, was a beautiful much easier day. and much yeah, better. It was yeah. a beautiful day. And, and so we are really grateful to all the people that came out and stood in the rain. And the the initial cost, obviously, is is buying the glass bottles. But then, as you say, once people get into yeah. the habit of it, you just bring your glass bottles back and you're just paying for the milk then? 
Yes, and you don't have to buy our glass bottles. You can buy bring in any container that you have at home. Okay. You can just bring that in, I mean, and and use that. It's a litre and a half litre. Just try and have it as close enough to, to those quantities as you can. Mm. And if you do buy our glass bottles and you lose the lid in the dishwasher or whatever when you're washing them, I have... Don't spare worry, lids. I of, of spare lids, yeah. spare lids. I like the idea of the glass bottles, though, and I think people will like the idea, particularly when you're, you know, you're, you're watching your carbon footprint by getting your milk as local as you can. Uh, I, yes. I, I think it's, I think the glass bottles, uh, you know, the, there's something, and I think there's something about our childhood, those of us of a certain age that remember the glass bottles with the milk, yes. with the cream on top of the milk. And that's what happens with this milk as well, because it's not homogenised, so... Lots of people have said that to me. The cream it separates because the cream isn't taken off in the in in our pasteurizing process. It's not homogenized. So if you put it in the fridge, you will notice that the cream will goes rise, back up to the top, rise, like back in, like in the old days. And then shake it, yeah, yeah. And then oh, you don't shake it. It's the fight for who gets in first and gets the cream. Oh. <laughs> That's what used to happen in our house anyway, for sure. Listen, it's it's a brilliant it's a brilliant initiative. Was there a lot of red tape involved in this, Sally? There was a lot of red tape because it's the first, we have it in a modular unit, not a building. It, it, so it's the first of its kind in the country. So the Department of Agriculture came out and had a look at it. They, they were very nice. They came out and had a look at it day one because there wasn't even a box to tick on the forms because it didn't exist. <laughs> but they were really good and they sh- told us exactly what to do. And we did it and they came out and they were very nice and they, they passed us on the 18th of January. So and they did take a, about a year and a half. Yeah, it. yeah, and now the unit finally up and running. So you'll be back out. It's yeah. ju- so is it just weekends? Or are you going to be out during the week? No, we're going to uh, do it during the week as well because ideally, what can happen with the vending machine is I can just leave it somewhere. Once people become familiar with it, it doesn't even have to be manned. Mm. You can just go in yourself, and it's self-service. Yeah. So we'll just learn where to put it, you know, at different stages during the week. Okay. All right. And as you say, what's your what's your um, Instagram and Facebook for it's people to at, follow? It's Bobanya Or. Bobanya Or. Okay, listen. We'll... Um, can I just say one more thing, yeah. um, Patricia, if you wouldn't mind? Uh, can I just thank local businesses that have been so, so good to us, so supportive, you know, if we needed anything, change, Casey's Bar and the Fish Basket and things like that. Walsh Printers and International Glassware and Pottery have all been amazing. It's really nice that people are so supportive when you're starting off. I just want to say thank you. Yeah, there's a great community spirit, isn't there? There in, really in is, your, yeah. I'm not saying that yeah. they don't have it in the city as well, but there's something quite unique about that. Everybody yeah. in rural, everybody wants the other person to get on well. I yes, think. it was really nice. I just thought it was so surprising. I mean, yeah. I, I just kind of the park hotel to say, yeah, come in, park here. Yeah, like, yeah. Does, doesn't surprise yeah. me. Listen, good luck with it, Sally. And thank uh, you very much. Thanks for, for joining us. Uh, bye bye. Um, and I was going to say, I don't, I, do, I don't think I've ever spoken with a, a smart micro dairy before. And of course, I haven't because they are the first. So we wish uh, Sally and her husband Michael all the best and check them out. Uh, Bo Banya or oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. John Paul's taking your calls. I can already see WhatsApps coming in for our competition. We haven't opened the WhatsApp yet. So therefore, if you have sent in an entry already, uh, it unfortunately is not going to be in. You're going to have to re-enter again because it's only when at some stage during this hour, I will tell you when to WhatsApp in for our Snap the app. Make sure you've downloaded the C103 app and be in with a chance to win thousands of euro free money. Today is our first day giving away the money. And what will happen is we'll get a qualifier. Ken got his first qualifier this morning 
morning I'll have a qualifier Nick will have a qualifier Martina will have the fourth and final qualifier and then our four qualifiers have a one in four chance of the name coming out of the hat and getting a call back from Martina later on today and if you do get that call back you will be winning 500 euro of free money but you need to snap the app you need to download the C103 app today snap a screenshot and wait until I tell you to send in the picture your chance to listen and play all week long only on C103. Michael Dunnacastle-Lambert listening to me chat uh, with Sally about her purebred Jersey milk and the new company they've set up in the mobile uh, unit says Patricia in all my years across the Irish Sea I always bought gold top milk why? Gold top milk was Jersey cow's milk. It was just beautiful. The other milk tastes like coloured water. That's from Michael in Castletown. This is a great ad for Sally and her company, Bo Banya Work. Keep a look out for that at mobile unit in West Cork. As they say, it is the first micro dairy. Now, 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Paul Cavanagh joins me of uh, McCarthy Insurance Group for our monthly chat about insurance issues. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, Patricia. And and you're welcome. Now, a lot of people are dreaming of sunny holidays and getting away. And it's the time of the year when people start to book holidays. You want people to be aware of those that go who have the luxury of being able to go away for longer than the standard two weeks. Well, well, even outside of that, Patricia, we'll start with the two weeks to start with. Uh, you're, you're looking out this morning, the sun is shining, it's 13 degrees, and you're thinking, Asher, everything will be fine. We could have a freeze next week. We don't know what kind of weather conditions we're going to have next week. So you really need to look at the weather conditions in your, at it, where you're leaving from. So, for example, if you're leaving from Mallow, then you need to check the weather conditions in Mallow for the two weeks you're going to be away, just to make sure if there's going to be a freeze or something like that, you need the heating on. You don't want to come back to a burst pipe, and that's what the whole discussion is about, because in the first six weeks of this year, we have seen several burst pipes. Burst pipes in the attic, you could have nothing worse in your house. Mm. You come back, and you don't want to come back from your holidays, even it being two weeks, and find the water flowing out the front door, as we have seen. Yeah, it's, so ba- it's bad enough to be in your house when you get a burst pipe, but to have an unoccupied house, the amount of damage that can be done if nobody, if you've nobody checked. I suppose a cautionary tale there is get somebody to check on your house. Well, that, that is obviously, uh, tell your na- you know what I mean, tell your neighbours that you're going, uh, one of, you know, my, I myself have, has one of the neighbours got a key that they can get in. Yeah. Have they got the alarm code if you have an alarm, etc.? You know, so it's just a small bit of thought before you go. Okay, but there's there's another issue that I wasn't uh, aware of, and this is to do with people who have left their house for more than thirty days. Okay, and a very it's becoming more and more. Insurance companies have changed their policy wordings over the last number of years, and the vast majority of insurance companies now have a temporary unoccupied period of thirty days, not thirty one. 30 on the dot. So uh, somebody actually said to me in a claim recently, uh, how will they know what's the story? Well, the first thing is they'll ask you for your airline tickets or your your travel tickets on a ferry, uh, and they need to be in order. So you cannot be away for more than 30 days. And and if you are, what what does it mean? You need to talk to your broker immediately about it or your insurer immediately about it and to, to make... 
make plans as to how you're going to cope with this. And I suppose the reason it all came to my mind is that there are people now taking off for 60 days and even 90 days. Yeah. Which is great and fair play to them. But don't let your house unoccupied and expect that everything is going to be fine. You need to think about the consequences of what can happen while you are away. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I know a friend of mine who's uh, recently retired and uh, has gone away for three months um, uh, visiting um, her family and her children. And, and yeah, that, that it, cause, and the house, of course, is empty and, and people assume, oh, well, my, my house insurance is, is going to cover it. So if you're saying if, you, if they go, if someone went away on the two week holiday and God forbid there was the burst pipe, you would be covered. But it's Absolutely. this it's this 30 day cut off over 30 days cut off. Now, there are a few companies are 40 days and 45 days, but the vast majority, uh, well over 70 percent, are now 30 days on the button. So you need to talk to your broker about this and to make sure if you're, as you said, going away visiting to Australia or Canada or America or anything like that, no matter where it is, if you're away, and I think I put that at the end of my message to you, that it could be people going in for respite. It could be people going into care. I come across cases where people are going into hospital. The next thing there, they think they're going for two weeks, but they get detained there and they're going to be there for longer periods. So we need to work out with the people that are looking after the house as to how best to look after the house, to take care of the house. Maybe somebody's going to move into the house. Is the water going to be switched off? Is the heating going to be left on? Is the alarm on? And, like, make no mistake about it, and I keep saying it every month to you, Patricia, and we had it in from uh, over the last couple of days, the criminal has not gone away. We had cars broken into, houses broken into, who they are, we don't know. People from the city, people are saying they had, they were, they stole one car, they, they got out of that. We don't know what the story is. Don't let anything open. Windows, doors, lock your cars, please. Don't let money. One of the cars seemingly had a load of coins in the front of the car, and that's all they wanted. Yeah, and I know I saw in one of those community groups that I'm signed up to in Mallow, an alert went out a couple of weekends ago to say that there was a, a, a gang of young fellas yeah. well it's hard to put an age on them yep. and they, they got picked up on somebody's CCTV and they were just literally going from car to car to car looking for the cars that weren't opened and and I know we, we have it on our Garda file the amount of people still that don't lock their cars I heard it on your Garda file yeah. last week it, this, this, it's identical what happened in Formoy and that's why the Garda think they're a gang from the city a gang of youths or something like that come out on the bus and then see if they can steal a couple of cars and take them back Okay, somebody wants to know on the 30-day rule, is that 30 days over one holiday or is the 30 days cumulative over the course of a year? Once again, you need to check your policy. A few of the companies are over over a period, but most of them are 30 days in one go. In one block. In one block. But look, I think it's the same message we keep sending out. Don't take anything for granted, right? Check with your insurance broker because it's vital that nothing goes wrong while you're away. We we don't want anything going wrong while you're away. Yeah, and it could be buried somewhere in the small print, and God knows we don't read all of the small print, unfortunately. No, listen, that's 
that's my job, and and I can tell you, it's a job and a half. I have another guy here with me, and that's that's what we do all day. We're nerds reading these policy changes. Okay. Now I want to stay on the topic of people planning and going away for uh, holidays, and I want to bring it on to uh, travel insurance. And actually, there's a question already in on travel insurance. Somebody said, "Do I need travel insurance if I'm going to the UK?" As technically now with Brexit, the UK is outside of Europe. Will the e- the European health card, the old E111 that we used to refer to it, is that valid in the UK? That's a brilliant question. And I haven't got it. I would have said yes if you'd have asked me six months ago. I can't answer that question now. That needs to be checked. Okay, I know certainly, I know when Brexit first started, we were told we would be okay with the the European health insurance card, but we'll we'll get that checked just to make sure. But But the European health card for when you're in Europe, make sure you have it with you. Absolutely, 100%. Get onto the HSE website and make sure you have your European health card. It's, to me, I call it the gold card. Yeah. Because you produce that out in Spain or Portugal or anywhere. Yeah, come on in. You're, you're treated you're treated like the best Yeah, I, I have to say, I we used it a number of years ago with uh, Marsha, our, our special needs daughter, and she had a problem with an eye infection. I could not believe the service. We got into, like, we, were, we were in with an eye specialist. It was just incredible. All instantly done. I remember thinking, God, we could learn from this. And I just produced the European health insurance card and that was it. I was saying, do I owe anything? No. And then I got a prescription and when I went, because I had the European health insurance card, I think the prescription was a euro was all I had to pay. It was just incredible Fabulous. service. Fabulous. So, so do have that. Now, having said that, I still would never travel without travel insurance. No, you look, I mean, the biggest thing with travel insurance, uh, some of the health companies, if you have health insurance, make sure that you have an addition onto that, that you have the cover. So Irish Life Health have, have a travel policy uh, attached to their, uh, some of their, not all of their um, health policies, as I understand it. The main thing I always say within a, in a travel policy if you have health insurance, fine. If you have your European card, fine. Then that's all your medicals repatriation. Now, everybody's on to me, what the hell is repatriation? Well, the biggest example I can give you is a guy, a client of ours, went out skiing, broke his leg on the first day up on the ski ski slopes, right? Mm -hmm. Helicopters to get him down, then helicopter to transfer him to uh, uh, an international hospital. In the hospital, they found complications They had to wait a number of days. They had to transport him by private plane to uh, their main international airport and fly him back home to Dublin for specialist treatment. The total cost of that repatriation was over a quarter of a million euros. Was he covered? He was covered under his travel insurance. Wasn't he a lucky man? Wow, I'd say there there was a bit of anxious wait for a telephone call to make sure he was covered. Absolutely. So, I mean, the last thing you want is to be stuck out there if anything goes wrong. Yeah. yeah. So repatriation. Now, that's for an, an injury. Mm. A morbid subject, but a lot of people die when they're abroad. Yeah. And the repatriation costs there are huge as well. Thousands, tens of thousands to fly a person home. Obviously, then you'll want to get out there as well to greet the body, to make the arrangements, all this type of stuff. People don't think about this until it happens. So have a travel policy. 
Yeah, and and have a good travel policy because you'll see and and you'll notice now, certainly from around Easter, you'll start seeing them popping up on Facebook and on Instagram. They'll be advertising and, you know, they're trying to get you, suck you in or very cheap travel policy. Just be careful of what you're buying. And and as with the house policy, most of them have a 30 day cut off. So you're, be careful you're of that. You're only covered for the 30 days you're away. And yeah. Your 30 days and pre-existing health conditions. Yeah. You need to make, check that twice, check it three times, because if you had a previous health condition, and you may be feeling fine now, but it happened six, 12 months ago, maybe two years ago, it could be excluded under policy, and then you have a problem when you're out foreign. That's the last thing you want. So anyway, the European health card, number one. Yeah, and that's free. That, that, that is free. free. And then get your travel insurance. And just very finally, and I spotted this and I actually thought about it during the week. I spotted this about, uh, there was a warning went out about um, tumble dryers and, and how tumble dryers can cause uh, fires. They're probably one of the main, are they domestic product that it leads to domestic fires? Yeah, they, they, they now are one of the main ones. And it's, and it's, it's the buildup of lint inside them, not proper venting. And then just because of inclement weather, which we've had a lot of old damp weather, I'll put, I'll put the clothes in the tumble dryer and I'll, I'll, I'll go out doing my shopping. It's a no-no, lads. Please do not do it for your own sake. Insurance or no insurance, nobody wants a house fire. I can guarantee you that. And tumble dryers are, no, are one of the number one candidates at the moment. Okay, and you were always, and I know we've spoken about this before, you would always say for all those tumble dryer, your washing machine, your dishwasher, all of your, those bigger machines always be in the house when you switch them on? They use an, an enormous amount of electricity, the heat that's generated within them, and they can self-combust. Yeah. This, is the, this is the latest thing now, that even the clothes that come out of a tumble dryer, if you put in a load of clothes and you leave them in for half an hour, and then you even if you just open the door, they can still self-combust. Yeah, be very careful. Be very so careful. So you've got to be seriously careful. Oh, get, them out, get them aired, put them out in somebody's shelter, keep an eye on it. I think that's the whole thing. Keep an eye on it. Okay. Listen, mine of information as always. Have a good month. We'll chat again next month, Paul. Thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, Paul Cavanagh uh, of uh, the McCarthy Insurance Group. It's time to give away more free money. Free money. Snap the app only on C103. Give me Well, absolutely loads of you have been snapping the app and we're inundated with uh, photographs of your snap the app. Uh, and we have selected Neve Dawson from Mitchellstown. Good afternoon to you, Neve. Hello, Trisha. How are you today? Good, good. Well, out of all of the WhatsApps that we got in, you have been selected. So do you know what that means? Um, am I in the draw? You're a qualifier. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> well done. You've just qualified, which means you now go forward to Martina's show this afternoon. She'll have four names in the hat by the time she makes the draw and you could be winning yourself €500. Euro. Oh, thank you very much. Be a nice way to start the week, wouldn't it? It will, it will. Okay, and what are you up to today? Not, just going to the school there now to collect the child. Oh, are you? Okay. <laughs> All right, well, we'll let you go because we don't want you to be late collecting the child. Thanks a million no, and congratulations. Thank you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That, bye bye, bye bye. That is uh, Neve Dawson in Mitchellstown, our first qualifier for our Snap the App uh, competition. Your chance to win lots of free money uh, across this week. €500 Euro every day will be given away 
free money with Martina. All you've got to do is download the C103 app, download it onto your phone and then snap a screenshot. But you've got to wait until we give you the cue to WhatsApp in the screenshot. The amount of screenshots that arrive from as soon as I came on air this morning at 10 o'clock, they didn't go forward to the draw that we just did. You've got to wait until we give you the exact time to send in the Snapchat. And Nick Richards will do it again this afternoon and Martina will do it one final time and then we'll have four qualifiers and all of their names will go into the hat and somebody then today it could be our Neve Dawson in Mitchellstown who knows we wish her luck 500 euro of free money snap the app download today and listen to play all week long only on C103 0818 103 103 our lines remain open let me go to some of your calls and texts that have been coming in to us this morning oh firstly can I send congratulations to St Oliver Plunkett's they won against Lispool is it Lispool in Kerry it was the Junior Monster Football Championship Fenny semi-final was played yesterday in Ballygran in County Limerick and uh, Oliver Plunkett's will now play the Munster football final next uh, Sunday that's also in Limerick Michael wanting to wish them the very best of congratulations on yesterday but best of luck in the final next Sunday we were talking about Jersey Milk with uh, Sally Carney and the new company that she has set up, Bo Banya Ur. Hi Patricia, Jersey Milk is lovely but it's best here on the island of Jersey. This is our test. It's a lot to do with the grass that they eat. I've tasted Jersey Milk in the UK and in Ireland and it doesn't taste the same. <laughs> so says Tess, who is a Malaga girl living in Jersey for the last uh, 40 years. We all have to go to Jersey to taste their milk. Thank you for that uh, Tess. Uh, hi Patricia, could you spell out the name of the place where that Jersey milk is going to be on sale or do you have a telephone number? I do, I do, actually I do have a telephone number 086 196 2519 086 196 2519 but it's Bo Banya Or so Bo B-O Banya as in Irish for milk B-A-I-N-N-E and Or you uh, father are Bo Banya Or keep a lookout for them at the moment they seem to be around the Clonic Hilty area with their mobile uh, milking vending machine but if this proves to be a success maybe they'll have more of those mobile milk vending machines we'll have to wait and see and Judith wants to wish uh, Sally the best of luck with her new micro uh, dairy and she said uh, Judith said it brought me back to the days of the glass bottle there used to be murder in the kitchen everybody vying for the cream on the top happy days yeah that was my memories as well because Sally was saying that when you get the milk bottle you know, the cream will rise up to the top and then you can shake it so that the milk gets evenly divided I was saying that would never have happened in our house because somebody would have taken the cream off the top before anybody got a chance to uh, shake it so once again good luck to Sally and her new company. Now on Uber, Bill in Clonakilty says his son has a rigid lorry driving licence and the company he was working for wanted him to move to Arctic lorries instead. So he had a whole lot of tests to do. So he said, if we're going to introduce uh, Uber, then we need to make it a level playing pitch. He agrees that everybody in Clonakilty would love the notion of Uber coming. But he said, let everyone be on the same level playing pitch. So have the Uber drivers paying the same insurance as taxi drivers, also have them 
holding PSV licences and then taxi drivers cannot complain. There will be no uh, discrimination. But I think if you look at Uber and how the model works, Bill, is that it's different to taxis, that they don't fall in under the same rules and regulations and they will all be guard the vetted and all of that. I mean, if what you're suggesting, well, that's all we would need then is for extra taxi licence instead if everybody has to pay the very same. The idea of the Uber drivers, they work part-time, they work much less hours than taxis do, but they pick up the flack for the hours that the taxi drivers can't or don't want to work. And then someone else says, I actually drove a taxi for 17 years, so I gave it up. Why? Because the insurance was uh, too dear. And it will be interesting if Uber did come in to see people that were taxi drivers and got out of the business because they found it cost of doing business too expensive. It'll be interesting to see will some of them decide to switch over if Uber came in and become Uber drivers in instead. And of course, that would always be an option for taxi drivers as well. And then Jimmy in Ballyporeen says there's a new setup in and around Clonmel. It's a nighttime community bus. Now, it sounds like the rural bus. It travels around communities outside of Clonmel villages like Newcastle, Ardfinan, Goldenbridge and they collect uh, people at around nine o'clock in the evening and then the bus returns home from midnight so everybody gets to go out for about three hours to socialise. It's a great service and maybe if other towns could organise something similar. I wonder is that under the rural the community buses, you know, we've got fantastic rural transport uh, across uh, Cork at the moment, but they don't operate very late at night. I don't know what the cutoff point is, but could we look at a service like that where there would be services at, at night? Because it certainly would get people out and about. 0818103103 on GPs. And I know this is an issue we are going to be covering again on the programme this week. Lack of GPs and the problem it's causing and people trying to get appointments, uh, etc. Claire says that what she feels is an ongoing issue with GPs and she'd be interested to see would others agree with her and she said the way you go to the doctor now has changed since COVID and now they don't seem to be seeing as many patients so much now is done over the phone you'll ring up and you can get the consultation over the phone rather than having to go into the GP surgery and Claire says sometimes by the time you finally do get into your medical centre you could be waiting three to four weeks for an appointment and when you do go when you will notice there are much less patients in the waiting room. A lot of these medical practices seem to be just full of staff. The GPs we have need to start seeing patients face to face like they did before COVID. And if others notice that, it's hard to get an appointment. And then when you do get an appointment, there's nothing like the the full waiting rooms. Remember before COVID where you'd walk in and there mightn't even be a chair available. There'd be so many people in uh, ahead of you. Claire reckons we need more face-to-face appointments. Now, having the doctor ring you over the phone and doing a telephone consultation. I mean, that's one of the big things that came out of COVID. That suits a lot of people because a lot of people don't want to have to go into the GP for something that they may need, may needs, they only need a prescription for or whatever. Doesn't suit everybody. I accept that, uh, Claire. But the problem is we don't have enough GPs and we don't have enough GPs for the number of people that are in this country. And that's causing a backlog of people trying to get an appointment. And it's a big worry, obviously, if you're very, very sick. 0818 And then Coleman in White's Cross says, Patricia, saw this on the media over the weekend and uh, I'm I'm wondering if it's true. It was the Late Late Show. They told musicians not to wear pro-Palestinian symbols on the show. If that is true, surely pro-Israeli symbols should also not have been allowed uh, either. Now, I did spot this uh, across the weekend and I'll tell you what it was to do with. If you were watching the Late Late on uh, Friday night, the Irish Women in Harmony group 
goodness me what beautiful singers they were and they have this special tribute to Sinead O'Connor and they've released a version of Nothing Compares to You. It was absolutely stunning. Now it seems some of the performers were wearing pro-Palestinian clothing and Irish artist for Palestine said prior to the performance one group member was asked to change out of a t-shirt which featured the word Gaza and it had a love heart on it while there was others in the Irish Women in Harmony who were asked to remove badges expressing support for Palestinians. Now RTE were contacted about this to find out what is going on and why were musicians and people taking part not allowed to wear pro-Palestinian clothing or accessories and RTE say that contributors are asked not to wear clothing related to one particular point of view. It's part of RTE's impartiality guidelines. It said the conflict in Gaza was not the subject of discussion or debate during the performance but they just asked the people not to, to remove what they were wearing and anyone their badges were asked to take the badges off. They say all RTE cont- content follows clear guidelines in relation to impartiality. RTE aims to facilitate open debate on issues of public in- interest and concern and as such they ask the participants not to wear badges, symbols or emblems related to one particular point of view in the absence of a forum for a representation of all uh, views. Um, so they were asked to remove anything that had reference to Gaza. So obviously it would have been the same, uh, Coleman, if somebody was there wearing some emblem or whatever or some symbol whereby they were advocating on behalf of the Israelis, which is a hard thing to advocate on behalf of at the moment when we're seeing what's coming out of uh, Gaza. So no, it wasn't It wasn't a one-sided affair. It's strict guidelines that RTE have uh, with regard to impartiality. 0818 John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, making Cork County the place to live, work, visit and invest in. See corkcoco.ie. Bingo is on tonight. It's in uh, Botswana AA Hall. Eight o'clock start with a jackpot of 5,450. St. Michael's Centre as part of their huge fundraising drive to build a community hall and refurbishment work. St. Michael's Centre in Bandon will make a draw for a brand new Kia car on St. Patrick's Day. Tickets are €50 each and they're available at the Town Hall in Bandon or you can get them online. A QQI Level 3 Certified Course Introduction to Gardening will run Tuesday mornings at the Q Centre Quarterstown in Mallow from 10am to 12.30 and it is starting tomorrow, Tuesday. To register, contact Brendan Glynn on 022-55452. And Annam Cara will hold their monthly West Cork meeting tomorrow, 7.15 in Fernhill House Hotel in Clam. They're reaching out to any bereaved parent regardless of the age or circumstances of their child's death to attend the meeting. No registration is required. You can simply come along tomorrow night to Fernhill House Hotel for a 7.15 at start. And you're invited to celebrate International Women's Day. Now, that's not until Friday the 8th of March, but there's a special lunch in aid of the Greater Chernobyl Chino- cause. It'll be on in the Kingsley Hotel 
on Friday the 8th at 1pm. Music is with Fiona Kennedy along with the gala auction and a raffle. Tickets 60 euro are limited so please contact Fiona to reserve your place on 087 9536133. Court today on C103. With McCarthy Insurance Group, proud sponsors of the Cork GAA Club Football Leagues and Championships. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie And keep your questions coming in for Annelise Drussell, please, our nutritional therapist. If there's something uh, you would like Annelise to uh, answer, give advice on John Paul is taking calls 0818103103. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862103103. And my chat with Sally and the micro dairy that they've set up in Clonakilty for the Jersey milk and the cream at the top of the bottle is just evoking so many memories to so many people. Lucy uh, says, if you didn't bring in the milk fast enough back in the days where we had a milkman delivering the glass bottles to the door, the birds would break through the, the top and they would be the ones getting the cream at the top of the milk bottle. And that's when there was foil caps, wasn't there, on the top of the milk uh, bottles. And uh, hi, Patricia, I was doing a bit of power washing here, says Sheila, and that the radio turned up to the loudest. I couldn't help laughing when you were talking about the cream at the top of the milk. It took me back to more than 50 years ago. In our school, one of the detention punishments was you had to give up your break to make coffee for the teachers in the staff room. You had to boil the milk. Oh God, boiled coffee made on boiled milk. That brings me back. Anyway, so you had to boil the milk. We would always swig the cream off the top of the bottle. I was forever acting the maggot and getting detention just so I could take the cream off the top of the milk teachers never copped on. Happy days, says uh, Sheila. And I forgot, yeah, I, I used to love doing that, boiling milk. I haven't done that in years, actually. Boiled milk in a saucepan to make your co- making coffee on uh, milk. And I suppose with all the lattes that are there now, isn't that really what we had uh, when we were younger? But the one thing about boiling the milk in the saucepan was washing the saucepan afterwards. It was always a pain in the butt uh, for sure. On GPs, uh, hi Patricia, I rang my GP this morning looking for appointment the soonest I can get for what's described as a non-emergency is the 22nd of March. I thought you were going to say the 22nd of um, February. Over a month away. What day is today? The 19th of February. I'm an elderly woman who, by the way, I haven't attended the doctor for well over a year. Are things gone that bad? Yeah, I know I was recently in with my doctor. Again, non-emergency, just getting bloods checked and all of that. And I made the appointment two weeks out because I know how difficult it is to get an appointment. So I set aside a date that I knew I'd be able to visit and I gave them two weeks notice and I got an appointment at the time that suited me. And when I was chatting with my doctor and we were talking about that issue, uh, she did say to me, look, if it's an emergency, they do see people on the day. But for non-emergency, and for me, it was blood, so it was a non-emergency. It was just a checkup thing. Uh, people have to wait longer. Uh, but that seems a, a very excessive period. I don't know where our Sheila is texting from or how under pressure the doctors are. But obviously the doctors in Sheila's practice are hugely under pressure. If she rings on the 19th of February and is given a date. Now, it is non-emergency. It isn't a panic situation. But she's given and given a wait of uh, over a month seems bizarre. As I say, it is an issue that we are going to be addressing because it's going to come up again, I think, this week in the draw. So we are going to be talking about it uh, later on in the week. The fact I mentioned that late show and we were talking about what had happened 
Um, I didn't realise it at the time. It was only a story. I think I saw it yesterday somewhere online that some of the artists who were taking part in that tribute to Sinead O'Connor, those wonderful female singers that we have uh, in this country, were out. There was one person in particular was asked to remove a T-shirt which featured the word Gaza and a, a love heart. And then there was others had badges on expressing support for Gaza. But RT asked them all to remove the managers to do with impartiality. That led somebody to say, Patricia, if you were watching the late late on Friday night, I was because I saw the girls singing did you see Michelle O'Neill and her first appearance on The Late Late Show as First Minister? Listener said, I was very impressed with her. I thought it was a great interview uh, as well because I was very conscious of where Patrick Keelty was coming from and Patrick Keelty's past and his father being murdered and all of that. And I was thinking, oh, this could go one way or the other. It could be very awkward, but it wasn't. And I thought Patrick Keelty did an incredible job. And I thought... Michelle O'Neill was very, very impressive as First uh, Minister. And of course, now that she is First Minister, we're very much back at the debate of will we have a united Ireland in this country and will we get unionists in the North to agree to a united Ireland? And does everybody on this island of Ireland want uh, a united Ireland? Where there's a survey out saying 40... Now, this is a survey, by the way, that was undertaken in Northern Ireland. Uh, 49% of people are in favour of staying with the UK with 39% saying they would like Irish uh, unity. However, a united Ireland is the most popular choice with the under 45s. So there is an age divide. Younger people want it more than older uh, people. And the strongest support for the union and the strongest support for Ireland, Northern Ireland, remaining under UK control is amongst middle-aged and pensioners. There's also a key middle ground that could swing any future referendum. 11% of people surveyed said they were undecided at this stage as to what way they would vote. And there was just one percent said that they would never vote in such a referendum uh, or they would go in and they would actually spoil their uh, vote. The findings emerged, it was in a survey for the Belfast Telegraph and it obviously comes amid increasing debate on the constitutional question. Now under the terms of the Good Friday Agreement, a border poll would should be called by the incumbent Northern Ireland Secretary when they believe there is evidence that public opinion in the region has shifted in favour of a change. Now, the problem there is successive UK governments have consistently declined to specify publicly what criteria would be applied when measuring public sentiment on the issue. I mean, would they rely, for example, on a survey from one of their local papers like the Belfast Telegraph? And no no one, no government since the Good Friday Agreement will come out and say, well, this is how we will test public feeling on it. Now, calls for referendum obviously have very much ramped up since the appointment of Michelle O'Neill and she is Northern Ireland's first ever nationalist First Minister. And of course, the Sinn Féin President, Mary Lou MacDonald, uh, when Michelle O'Neill finally took over her position, she said unification was within touching distance and that really brought up the ire of the unionists. And I know the DUP leader, Geoffrey Donaldson, he, he remarked, almost immediately that Mary Lou Macdonald must have very long arms on the island. Now, the poll found that while more than 80% of nationalists 
want a border patrol. No surprise uh, there. They want it within the next decade. Fewer than 10% of unionists said they want it in the next decade. Nearly two thirds of unionists believe there should never be a referendum on Northern Ireland's constitutional future. A majority of people, 52% say they aspire to Irish unity at some point in the future with 44% stating they would always support Northern Ireland to remain in the UK. So there's still a big divide there. 71% of Alliance, 72% of Greens and 94% of SDLP all aspire to Irish unity. And while Secretary of State Chris Heaton-Harris said he doesn't believe a border poll will be called in the next decade, 44% of people want one within that time frame. 13% said it should be held in the next 11 to 20 years and 10% said it should be held but not until at least another 20 years. And just a quarter of voters, 28, just over a quarter, 28%, believe a referendum on Northern Ireland's constitution of future uh, should never, ever be held. And holding a border poll within a decade is most popular. Again, it's the young people want it. It's 50% of the 18 to 24 year olds, 24 54% of the 25 to 34 year olds um, and but then when you go to pensioners for only 35% of uh, over 55s say that they want uh, a border poll uh, in the next uh, decade. So will we see a border poll? Is it possible that we'll see it in a decade? Is Mary Lou right? Is it within touching distance? But of course even if there was a referendum held today or in 10 years time or in 20 a year's time no one can predict what the result uh, would be um, Will uh, only time will tell if that border poll is and when it's held uh, if reunification of Ireland is a possibility 0818 103 103 we are looking for your questions please for Annalise Giselle our nutritional therapist get them into John Paul you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork Today on C103. With McCarthy Insurance Group, proud sponsors of the Cork GAA Club Football Leagues and Championships. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. C103. And Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic uh, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Good Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And isn't it great to see a little bit of sunshine? Oh my God, it comes mood. in my window here. I'm yeah. just toasting. Yeah, it, it really is great, which, yeah. le- which leads to a question in from a listener uh, I, who says she's taking uh, vitamin D daily on your recommendations. She's done it from the last clock change. With the sun out, do you still need to be taking vitamin D? Um, you know, when I stop taking vitamin D, generally, Patricia, when I see the cows go back into the fields again, uh, because then you'll definitely, if you're not getting it from sunshine, you might get a bit from cheese and milk and eggs and eating meat because vitamin D will go into the animals. But sure, they're indoors at the moment. We've had so much rain this year that I don't think, um, unless they say you need 15 minutes a day onto your unexposed arm or your unclothed like arms, so your bare yeah. arms, 15 minutes a day. So if you're getting that, you could stop the vitamin D. But I think I'd probably continue taking it now till the end of, probably till the end of March, definitely. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah. And actually, the listener said she started taking it when the clocks uh, went back. It, mm. I, I always have it in my head and I got it from you. It's clock change to clock change. Yeah. I yeah. think that's, that's the way I would always remember it and that kind of just keeps it. But it depends again on weather. So if we were to have an awful, rainy, horrible um, March and April and even May, 
it might be June before the sun actually comes out properly. So you kind of have to judge it like that. So about yeah. 15 minutes a day, and it doesn't have to be full-on sun. It's just even a day like today, if you were out for a walk or in the garden and your arms are exposed for 15 minutes, you'll get enough vitamin D. Okay. Uh, a listener is suffering from re- reflux. Been to the doctor and is taking Lansoprozal. Yeah, so... And not getting better. Yeah. The, so the... the the trade name of that is Nexium, Patricia. I think Nexium. you're familiar yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, what they do is they basically, they block the acid from being released into your stomach. So it's really, it's a bad way of fixing a problem because the problem isn't really that you've too much acid. Sometimes in actual fact, people have weak stomach acid. Um, you need very strong stomach acid in order to be able to break down your proteins in your stomach. And it also has the advantage of killing off bacteria from your, you know, that goes in with food. And it also helps to acidify the minerals that we need, like calcium and magnesium and zinc, um, in order for them to be absorbed efficiently. So we do need good, strong stomach acid. And I think that some people have weak stomach acid. These people might be prone to constipation. They may find that when they eat meat, that it sits in their stomach for a long time. Um, But the problem is is that the little valve at the top of the stomach is weak. So they're given uh, an acid blocker, which actually makes the problem worse because they're now not digesting at all properly. Um, and then that valve isn't actually getting any stronger. So uh, naturally, we come about it from a dip- different perspective. We would try and strengthen up that little valve. And I recommend um, zinc carnosin. It's spelled zinc, Z-I-N-C, and then carnosin, C-A-R-N-O-Z-I-N. It's by a company called Quest. And that has the advantage of um, supporting the mucus-producing cells of the stomach. So they produce a lovely thick layer of mucus that protects the stomach when you release acid for digestion. You get your acid released as normal for digestion and so you don't get as much churning and bubbling and gurgling. And then the zinc, the carnosin also strengthens up that little valve so you don't get it coming back up the, um, the, the food pipe. So I would definitely take that. And then to manage your symptoms in the interim period, you could take slippery elm, which acts like a kind of a natural Gaviscon, but unlike Gaviscon, which uh, um, blocks your ability to absorb calcium and other things, it actually helps heal and it doesn't prevent those. So that can be taken long term if you need it. And the idea is you take it just before you eat. And the last thing I would recommend is a digestive enzyme because that just supports your body's ability to break down food so the, the stomach doesn't have to work as hard. And generally that does it for most people. If they do it for two or three months, that then tends to clear up the problem completely. Okay. Hi, uh, Annalise. Advice, please. The skin on my face has gone very dry and flaky. What would you recommend? So I think um, it's a common problem this time of the year, Patricia, because we've spent the, the indoor, we've been indoors now with the heating on, the central heating. And I think when you go into shops, I don't know, it's at the time of my life, but God, I can't even go shopping anymore because I'm just running out of the, all these overheated shops too hot and cranky to shop. So I think it's typical to have very dry skin at this time of the year. I always think you put the fat in from the inside and you put the fat in from the outside, the oil in from the outside. So I would, if you want to support your skin from the inside, the omega-3 fats are a great one because they do a few different jobs. And if you take it from a plant oil, you could add linseeds or chia seeds to your porridge. You could take Udo's oil or black cumin oil as a wonderful, healthy oil to take that gets the omega-3s into you naturally or you could take a fish oil and that does a few different jobs for heart health and brain health as well and then really it's about kind of I suppose finding a good cream on the outside now everybody's skin is very different but I do think when it gets dry and flaky you probably should use a dry exfoliator 
uh, sorry, a gentle exfoliator to get rid of the skin and then use a nice face cream. So the ones that we get great feedback here on always, the Trilogy ones are lovely. We started stocking a lot of the Walida Skin Food line and they do a skin food which is brilliant for very, very dry skin. Um, and I'd go natural because then it's unlikely to irritate. And then for people that have more sensitive kind of eczema or psoriasis type skin, you could look at the Hope's Relief, which is more for that type of skin. It's not necessarily just for dry skin. It's more for skin that's very inflamed and irritated. And you could also use that product on your face. And just be careful you're not using any type of cleanser that's stripping the natural oils. So you could use, um, actually, I just took home the Walida cleansing balm um, to try it out myself. And it's lovely and it leaves your skin lovely and soft. And the Trilogy one their cleanser is beautiful as well, leaves your, your skin feeling really hydrated. So that would be just my advice, not as an expert, but as after trying every product on the shelf. Myself. OK, well done, well done. Anya says, uh, could you ask Annelise, please, what would she recommend for low mood? Now, I did take her advice and I took the Source of Life Gold after COVID and I must say I'm finding it good, good for energy, but it's this low mood. I'm a female mid-60s and I really feel I'm struggling at the moment. And by the way, I recently attended Dr. Deedish Clare, uh, she gave a talk in Cantorca recently on, on herbs and I found it most interesting. But low mood. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one actually, Patricia, after COVID. I've, this is again observational now, so I'm not making a medical statement, but I've noticed a lot of people, if be they're young or old, who got long COVID, um, which included low mood and brain fog, had quite a lot of stress in their lives. So sometimes I wonder, is this, um, you know, the fact that you've got maybe your cortisol that helps you and your adrenals that help you cope with stress, if they, were, if they were weakened from a lot of stress before COVID, has that affected people? So if it was the case in this lady's case, I would actually work to kind of support the adrenal glands and nourish them because they will help bring back your stress hormone up. If, if that's not in the right levels, now we don't want it too high, obviously, but if it's too low, you're dragging yourself around the place. You can't get out of bed. So in, in order to increase cortisol, you can take various different products. BioCare, they do um, an adrenal complex. Um, actually, there's a lovely one called the Nutri Advanced. They do one called Resilience, which is very nice, um, and it just helps improve your resilience. And most of these would contain a herb called ashwagandha. And I find this herb is just absolutely wonderful for supporting the body through stress or through low mood by kind of helping to balance um, you know, anxiety and balance low mood. And then there's another product that's worth a try. We get great feedback on it and it's called Salgar Ultimate Cam. That's actually a blend of ashwagandha and saffron. And in clinical trials, they've found that saffron performs as well as antidepressants um, for about 80% of people who take it. Now, we normally use saffron for cooking, but you can buy it now in um, capsule form and we get good feedback on it here in the in the shop. So I could, you could try either saffron on its own or that ultimate cam and Viridian are the ones that do the saffron. Okay. Ma- okay. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to vitamin D for a moment. Mary was listening to you talk about vitamin D and said, how would you know if you were taking too much vitamin D and too much mag- magnesium? How do you know when too much is too much? Okay. So vitamin D, it's easy. You can do a test. Uh, we have a test here in the shop. Um, it's... Um, so we've a test actually for vitamin D that's cheap and cheerful. I think it's about 13 quid that tells you whether you have enough or not enough. So it doesn't tell you if you've too much or it doesn't tell you how much you need to take. And then there is one that you can get done. It costs about 75 euros that will tell you exactly how much vitamin D you have. 
and whether it's too much or too little. And if it's too little, it tells you how much you should take. Your doctor also will be able to test your vitamin D. So it's worth taking a test now at this time of the year if you've been taking vitamin D just throughout the winter to see if what you've been taking is enough or too much. And it's also worth doing if you haven't been taking vitamin D because it's good to see are you very low and very depleted. Uh, magnesium is more difficult, Patricia. It's very hard to know whether you've ta- you're taking too much. My own instinct about magnesium, because it's a very popular supplement now, is that probably people are maybe taking a little bit too much. So I always recommend that people take it in the evening. And that way it doesn't interfere with calcium absorption because they both compete for absorption in the gut. So if you have too much magnesium, you mightn't be absorbing enough calcium and that would affect obviously your bones. So I would recommend that people take it at night and then really there's very little risk for you taking too much. But you'll often see the supplement of calcium and magnesium together in one supplement. Absolutely, because they work very well together. And if they're there at the same time, they'll both compete for absorption and they'll both have an equal chance of making it onto the receptor site to be absorbed. But if you're flooding it with magnesium, so it's like you've got 10 parts of the magnesium to one part calcium, magnesium has 10 times more opportunity to bind onto the receptor site. Mm. So look, it's only look, it's only to be very careful, Patricia, but um, I'm not a great believer in taking high doses of anything for the long term unless the risk is worth the benefit. Yeah, this is the abs- benefit abs- is worth the risk. Okay, we'd, we'd an email in from uh, Margaret who eats uh, f- uh, salmon. She eats it at least uh, twice a week. She buys it from her fishmonger, but she started seeing some programmes um, on TV and online saying that farm salmon is full of bacteria, parasites and other uh, diseases due to the fact that they are confined in water, which is full of the bacteria. But she finds it impossible to get wild salmon. And she wonders, would you recommend her giving up salmon altogether if she can't get her hands on wild know, salmon? Patricia hard nowadays to like it there's something wrong with everything we eat really yeah the other issue with eating a lot of fish even the wild salmon to be honest patricia because we've polluted our waters is they have high levels of mercury so even if you could get your hands on wild salmon they recommend you don't eat it more than three times a week and that goes for the other oily fish included so that would be mackerel herring sardines so some of the salmon is actually farmed in the sea um so they tend to be healthier salmon because even though they are in a net they still have got a flow of water. Look, when you keep an awful lot of animals in the same place in crowded conditions that they're not normally kept in, they're generally fed with cheap feed and they're generally treated with chemicals to keep them healthy. So, like, my own kind of feeling on it is, like, you still have to have a life and you still have to eat. It's not going to be the worst thing in the world, but I would definitely wouldn't eat it more than twice a week. And what you might like to do if you enjoy salmon is you could buy wild tin salmon. And you could have that in a sandwich or, or with salad at your lunch. You could also buy mackerel. Mackerel is very rarely farmed, and that would be just as healthy as salmon. Um, also, sardines and herring tend not to be farmed. So you can get okay. those fresher. And there, are, there are alternatives. OK, we leave it there. Listen, have a lovely week, and we'll chat to you next Monday. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks a million. That's Annalise Dersel. She put up all the information on her website, healthhubstore.com, this afternoon. Uh, and John Paul will uh, put it up as uh, an individual podcast. And can I just say, I saw a lovely text coming in from uh, West Cork Councillor Paul uh, Hayes uh, asking me just to give a shout out to what we affectionately referred to here on the programme as the election baby. Uh, Nadine is celebrating her 13th birthday today. We were doing interviews and debates in the run-up to the local uh, election when uh, Nadine was uh, born. So we refer to her as the election baby of that year. 13 years ago, where did the years go? Happy birthday to you, uh, Nadine. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Jean-Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Nick will look for another qualifier for 
Snap the app. So make sure you have downloaded the app and listened to a play right across uh, the week. Uh, but we will have a winner today, 500 euro later on with Martina. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks. Um, we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Cork Today on C103. With McCarthy Insurance Group, proud sponsors of the Cork GAA Club Football Leagues and Championships. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.